Today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. You come into God's world and you start trashing out God's world and you start telling God this is the way it's going to be and you say we will not have this man to rule over us and you try and dethrone God from his position of sovereign king. Well, you're going to pay the price for that. There's a crime in our country. It's called treason. And if you try and overthrow the government, you are guilty of a capital offense. So it is in God's kingdom. You try and overthrow God and you're going to experience his righteous judgment. It's the big question that many true believers fail at answering well, and many scoffers use to try and paint a distorted view of God. Why would a loving God destroy so many people with a worldwide flood? Well, Pastor Jeff Shreve gives the answer today on From His Heart. The lesson is one of seven in Pastor Jeff's revealing and timely series, The Days of Noah. And this resource is also one of our thank you gifts for your support this month of any amount. With that gift, we'll send you the series along with the empowering booklet, Strong Faith for Tough Times, When the Impossible Meets God. You can go online for details at fromhisheart.org. Now, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 7. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with part two of the lesson, The King at the Flood. If you have your Bible, please turn to... Genesis chapter 7, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Then the Lord, Yahweh, said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household. The ark is now built. It's been 120 years since God commissioned Noah to make the ark. You and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and his female, and of the animals that are not clean too, a male and his female. Also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. Verse 17. Then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth and the water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. And the water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher and the mountains were covered. And all flesh that moved on the earth perished. Birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind, all of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky and they were blotted out from the earth and only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark 
and the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Wow, a story of mass devastation. God did it with a flood. So what, what do we learn about God when we read about the flood? You know, the scripture says in Psalm 29, verse 10, the Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. He was king at the flood. He is king forever. So what do we learn about the king, especially in this horrific story of judgment? Four important discoveries. Discovery number one, God is the sovereign king. What does it mean to be sovereign? It means that God is the supreme ruler who has all power and all authority. Psalm 24, verse one, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. It belongs to God. He's king of the universe. Now, when God saw in Genesis 6 that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, God sighed a great sigh. He was sorry in his heart and he was grieved and he said, now destruction has to come. Okay, everybody, hold up two fingers. You're gonna make a chisel with your two fingers. And this is what I want you to chisel into your heart. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 3. Truly he is good. Truly his loving kindness is everlasting. That needs to be carved into your heart. Why? So that anytime God does something and you start thinking, well, he's a mean kid on an anthill with a magnifying glass, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That goes against what I know to be true about God. Truly he is good. Truly his loving kindness is everlasting. And, and, and remember this about God. It, not only is he the supreme ruler with all power and all authority, but he is the supreme ruler who will never be overthrown. He is always going to be king. Psalm 29, verse 10, the Lord sat as king at the flood. The Lord sits as king forever, forever. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He will always be God. He will always be king. He will always be the sovereign. So he has a right to do whatever he wants to do. Second discovery, not only is God the sovereign king, but God is the righteous king. And God looked down and the world was filled with violence and vice and moral corruption. And Noah preached righteousness. Why? Because God is a righteous king. Righteous and upright is he. That's God without injustice. Now, these people, these mockers and these scoffers and these disbelievers, they want to dump injustice upon God for what he did in Genesis chapter seven. Hey, God is the God who is morally perfect. And isn't it, it just floors me because the scripture says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And these people that don't believe in God, yet they, they call God a sinner on the plane of uh, Hitler, and they say, that's, that's your God, a genocidal maniac. And they're sitting here with a heart filled with foolishness and selfishness and wickedness and sin and violence. And they have the audacity to say that to God and to, to call God out in that way. Hey, God is the, the holy, holy, holy God. He is the righteous king and he does everything right. That's one of the things about being righteous. You do everything right. He doesn't do things wrong. He does everything right. One man said this on his website. God 
senselessly ordered millions of humans and animals to their death. He senselessly did that. No, 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 no. God righteously brought judgment upon a wicked world that was deserving of judgment. God doesn't senselessly do anything. God righteously judges. And everything God does is perfect and it is right. Because if God didn't do that, then God would cease to be God. God would be unholy. God would be unrighteous. Such a thought is unthinkable. God is perfect in moral character and in the way he judges. Now, we sometimes have a hard time with God killing whole races of people, with God wiping. I mean, 7 billion people, uh, some of those are little kids. God wiped them out. And we say, well, that that just doesn't sound right that God should be uh, able to do that, willing to do that. I mean, how do you reconcile that? Here's how you reconcile that. God knows everything about everybody. He sees the end from the beginning, the scripture says. You and I don't see like that. We don't know what our end is going to be like. We can't look at a person and know everything about the person. God does. God looks at at all the, the kids in this room and God knows every, he knows every day in that kid's life. He knows every decision that kid will make. He doesn't make that decision for the kid. God gives us all free will, but he knows what that decision is going to be. He knows what the totality of a person's life is. You don't have that knowledge and I don't have that knowledge. God doesn't see as man sees. Man sees the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So God can bring righteous judgment on people because he knows this person is never going to come around. If they were going to come around, God wouldn't judge them. God wouldn't want to do that. Why? Because truly he is good, truly his loving kindness is everlasting. Jesus didn't come to condemn, he came to save. And if there were someone who was going to respond to him, God would have made sure that that person was preserved and protected during the flood. But God knows everything and you and I don't. So what do we say about God? He's the righteous king. And if the Lord does something that we don't understand, we've already chiseled into our hearts that he's good and that he is love. He's the sovereign king. And so we just say, hey, I don't understand it, but I can tell you this, God is good and God always does right because he's the righteous king. The world belongs to God. You come into God's world and you start trashing out God's world and you start telling God this is the way it's gonna be and you say we will not have this man to rule over us and you try and dethrone God from his position of sovereign king. Well, you're gonna pay the price for that. There's a crime in our country, it's called treason. And if you try and overthrow the government, you are guilty of a capital offense. So it is in God's kingdom. You try and overthrow God and you're going to experience his righteous judgment. Discovery number three, not only is God the sovereign king and not only is he the righteous king, but God is the gracious king. Gracious, we read about that in Genesis chapter six, verse nine, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God was extending grace. Even in that wicked generation, Noah was the only one who, who met up with God's grace. He was only the only one who took God at his word. He was the only one who responded to God's grace. God is a gracious king. And God gave in the days of Noah, wicked sinners, ample time to repent. Ample time. Genesis chapter six, verse three. 
Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. 120 years. That's how long Noah was building the boat because God was giving man 120 years to repent. And Noah preached as he built the ark he preached the righteousness of God. He preached the salvation that would come from that ark. And he had, other than his wife and his three sons and their, their wives, he had zero come to the altar. Zero respond. But God had an ark of safety for them. God had a way of escape for them, that ark. And God gave them ample time to repent. You think about that. He, God didn't give them one last chance. He gave them one long chance. You know how long 120 years is? It's 43,800 sunrises. 43,800 times they were able to hear about the coming judgment. They were able to hear the preaching of Noah. They were able to see this massive uh, vessel that he was building. They were able to understand that this was the ark of safety and salvation. And 43,800 times they said, no, 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 no. And they laughed and they scoffed and they mocked. And they didn't respond to God's grace. Well, he had a way of salvation. He had a way of escape for them. Some have said, well, you know, I mean, Jeff, the, the ark is big. We, we listened to you last week, how big it was and how much room there was. And, and so there were about 50,000 animals on the ark and that still left about 60% of the capacity of the ark, 1.5 million cubic feet for, for people. And so lots of people could have been saved. But what if, what if you had had like, like 40,000 people that responded or 100,000 people that responded and they said, yes. I mean, it's like a Billy Graham clue said, yes, Noah, we're going to come and uh, they're coming from everywhere. Your friends will wait for you. That kind of thing. What if all those people had come to the ark? Then the ark wouldn't have been big enough. True, wouldn't have been. Then you know what would have happened? What would have happened in the days of Noah, it would have been just like it was in Nineveh. When God sent Jonah to Nineveh with this message, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And Nineveh from the king on down repented and put on sackcloth and ashes and called upon God and fasted and asked God for mercy. And God saw the way they responded. And he said, I'm not going to destroy them like I said I was going to do. God responds to repentance because God is a good God. He's a gracious king. He has grace for us, the unmerited favor of God. You can't earn it and you don't deserve it. He gives it to those who will respond. God is the gracious king. So he provided the way of escape. And you know what else he provided to show his graciousness in this Noah story? He gave the promise of the rainbow to Noah. Now, Noah is on the boat. The scripture says the water prevailed over the earth for 150 days, and then it took a long time. That's five months. And then it took a long time for the water to go down. 
He's on the boat for about a year and 17 days before the Lord lets him out. He's on the, on the mountains of Ararat, the scripture says. That's where the ark came to rest. And then God lets him come down. And then God, in Genesis chapter 9, he has a covenant that he makes with Noah and with all flesh. And God does something so cool. He gives Noah the sign of the covenant, which is a rainbow. And he says in Genesis chapter 9, verse 11, and I... Establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of my covenant, which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations, that's you and me too. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. Set my bow in the cloud. What's he talking about? What bow? He's talking about a rainbow. God created a rainbow and he put it in the sky as a sign of the covenant to Noah that he wasn't going to destroy the world ever again with a flood. Now, why did Noah need that? You know, it's kind of interesting when you think about, you talk to people about rain. If you've ever been to Seattle, you know, it rains there a lot. You talk to people that live in Seattle and you say, hey, tell me about the rain. Ah, you know, it, it pretty much rains every day and you just kind of get used to it here. We just got some rain and then it stops and then it starts again. You know, it's just kind of a nuisance, but it's really, you get kind of used to it. It starts to become its own beauty. You ask Noah after he got out of the ark, say, hey, Noah, tell me about rain. Ah, is it raining? That's the worst thing in the world. That stuff, when it rains, I mean, you gotta get, you, we gotta get back to the ark because we're going to die if we don't get back on the ark. Everybody, when rain comes, that's when people die. Because the scripture says it had never rained before. So that's his only experience with rain. If you only saw one dog and that dog ate your hand off, what would happen when you see the next dog? You'd start running away, right? That's the way Noah was. So God told Noah, listen, Noah, you, you don't need to be afraid when rain comes. I'm changing the seasons now, Noah, and rain is going to fall and that's gonna be a good thing for you. And here's the sign, it's the rainbow. You know what the rainbow speaks of that's so beautiful? It speaks of the grace of God. I will never again destroy the world with a flood. And it speaks of the manifold, as the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, the manifold grace of God, the, the very colored grace of God. Arthur Pink said this, the rainbow was a product of a storm and sunshine. And God's grace is the product of the favor of God shining through the sin of man. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Hey, God is a gracious God. He's the sovereign king. He's the righteous king. He's the gracious king. That's the only way we can come to God is because of his grace. And lastly, he's the worthy king. He's the worthy king. You know what Noah did as soon as he got off the ark? The scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 and 21, then Noah built an ark to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. And the Lord was pleased with his offering. The very first thing he did when he got off the boat, or got, it wasn't really a boat, when he got off the vessel, when he got off the ark, was he built an altar and he sacrificed to the Lord. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It was a sacrifice of praise. It was a sacrifice of dedication. It was a sacrifice of surrender. He was surrendering all to the king. And God 
smelled the sacrifice, and it was a soothing aroma, which is the, just a poetic way of saying, and God accepted his sacrifice, and God was pleased with his sacrifice. And Noah got off that vessel and said, God, you are worthy, worthy, worthy. I love what Adrian Rogers has to say about this story of Noah. He said, you know, Noah was mocked and ridiculed for all those years as he was building this massive vessel out in the middle of nowhere, talking about rain, talking about a flood. The people didn't know what he was talking about, talking about how God was going to bring judgment. And the people laughed him to scorn. He said, Noah lived his life in the minority. He said he went into that ark a minority, but he came out a majority because he was the only one that was left, him and his family. He believed God. Listen, as I told you, God is not running a popularity contest. God cares for people, but he's not gonna bend the rules so you will like him. God doesn't care, so to speak, that you like him. He wants you to surrender to him. He wants you to understand that he's the sovereign king. And he's not, uh, you know, just like Santa Claus up in heaven doling out toys to try and get you to like him. That's not what he does. None of us deserve grace. None of us deserve grace. And when you start thinking that God owes you life and owes you blessings and owes you this and owes you that, and you can live however you jolly well please, you cross a line and you're going to experience the justice of God because he's a sovereign king. He's a righteous king. He's a gracious king. But if you don't come and respond to his grace, then all that will be left for you will be justice. Hey, he's worthy, worthy, worthy. And the door to the ark of salvation, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, is open. And it is open now, but we don't know when the Lord is going to close that. And once he closes it, it is closed. So today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Well, as we have been reminded of today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, or maybe today this is the first time you've heard this important Word of God, but the Lord is offering you forgiveness for your sin and freedom to live for Him. The Bible is clear. As we recognize our sin before a holy King, we can turn to Him to forgive our sin, because we now turn from that to a life that is surrendered to Jesus as Lord. We freely accept the gift of God that He's offering us through Jesus. Ask Him to come into your heart and to save you and to be the Lord of your life. And today, if you've received Christ, we rejoice in your decision and encourage you to make it public and become a part of a Bible-believing church so that you can grow in your relationships, serve Him through the church, and allow His light to shine brightly through you. Be sure to go to the From His Heart website and click the Why Jesus link to let us know or to find out more about what it means to surrender your life to Christ. A lot of free materials there to help you get started in your Christian journey. By the way, you can listen to today's message again or any from this The Days of Noah series that we've aired so far when you go online to fromhisheart.org, click the radio tab. There, too, you can also download free MP3s of these broadcasts, as well as Pastor's Sermon Notes, and we're also offering the complete seven-message series on DVDs, CDs, MP3 download, or on a USB flash drive 
as our special thank you for your support from his heart this month of any amount. To get the series, and we'll also send you the booklet, Strong Faith for Tough Times, for your gift today, just go online to fromhisheart.org or simply call 866-40-BIBLE. 866-40-BIBLE. I'm Larry Nobles. Thank you for being here today, and we hope that you'll have a worshipful weekend and join us next time as we again open God's Word to share real truth, real love, and real hope from His heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.